Hello, everybody. It's Dell Shores. And I'm Emerson Collins, and you're watching The Dell and Emerson Show. Straight talk. Real gay. Today, with props, just bag of tree throwing up everywhere. Everywhere. You've got the flag in the, in the orchid and, you know, a couple of chihuahuas just standing by to be precious. I mean, oh. it is just a portrait. Thomas Kincaid should do a painting. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I do have a painting of them. That's how I'm... Um, I know, but I want one of those Thomas Kincaid light paintings, you know, where when you turn the dimmer up and down, it makes the painting look different. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, no, I don't know those. Oh, my God, he was so famous for a while, particularly in the contemporary. He's like the contemporary Christian music equivalent of painters. Oh. Like they were mass produced and they put little extra yellow and white on the paintings. And when you went to like a viewing, they would turn the dimmer and be like, look, now it looks like a sunrise. And when you dim the lights, it looks like the lights dim in the painting and the light comes forward. Okay. <laughs> I have gone far afield. Hello everyone and welcome to our show. If you're watching on YouTube or on Facebook or on Twitter, share the broadcast with your friends. Um, Liv, give us your comments. Tell us what you think. Newell said Thomas Kincaid is dead now. So may he rest in peace. <laughs> He's dead. We hope the rest of you are well. Thank you, Noel Alexander. Always bringing the room down. Oh, uh -huh. just like he's dead. And informative. Um, How are you, Del Shores? What's on I'm, your mind? I'm I, I'm really warm. I know that the Southern folks that are watching this are just going to say "fuck you," but I mean, I don't know what the temperature is, but it's hot. Oh, it good. Two minutes in, and we're talking about the weather. Up next, we should talk about our hair. I'm burning up, Emerson. I'm burning up. I hope I can get through this. Uh, I'll do that. How are you doing? I, feel, I actually feel good. I, good. I feel good. We're, you and I are working on a wonderful project together. I laughed until I was giddy yesterday. Uh, as I've said many times, um, I'm a fan. Y'all, we did. We were, we were working on this thing that we're working on that's the only thing in the... They say don't put all your eggs in one basket. I have this one egg in this tiny basket, and that's it, y'all. I'm like carrying that Lizzo purse of an Easter basket, hoping and a praying. Yes. Um, like, this is so, what? That's not what I meant to do. I meant to do this one. Ahadis, uh, could you love Dolly Parton anymore? I mean, y'all. Thank you, kid. We're, we, she's on our list. Yes, we love her so much. She came out in support of Black Lives Matter. She said, I understand people have been making themselves known and felt seen. And of course, Black Lives Matter. Do we think our little white asses are the only ones that matter? No. I mean, I appreciated it because she is not one to, to weigh into controversial issues. And I appreciated this simple statement of anti-racist support. Black Lives Matter. Dolly said it. I have to say that when I first read her quote, I thought, I thought it said Lily White Asses. And I thought, I, wonder. So Dolly. <laughs> I was going to find the audio because Lily White Asses does sound more like, like a Dollyism. It does. I was hoping. And so. I love seeing some of those maggots. I don't like those stupid people being, oh, cancel Dolly now, whatever. You know what? If an icon of music and literally Americana, saying that Black Lives Matter upsets you, yes, please cancel her while she sits on her pile of money supporting yeah. vaccine relief. She's been sending books to kids for like 50 years. She puts more money where her mouth isn't than we even know. 
Yeah, ah. she, she gives back. She is an, she's amazing. And I'm gonna do an Instagram later on today because I promised, uh, I'm reading a, a really uh, fun book right now. And um, I said, to, I, I tweeted uh, Byron, Al, uh, Byron Lane is the author. It's called, um, it's called A Star is Bored. And he was Carrie Fisher's assistant. And so I tweeted him and I told him that Carrie Fisher, the my meeting with Carrie Fisher was my second favorite ever, only next to Dolly. And he said, I want to hear about both. He tweeted me back. And I said, after this is all over, coffee on me. So I decided tonight on my Instagram, because I just have these long rambling Instagrams these days, I'm going to tell y'all about my meetings with Dolly Parton and Carrie Fisher. So Y'all tune in. It is certainly a good one. I know where that story goes. Both and speaking of books, we got a preview of Michael Cohen's book, you know, tax fraud, all the work he did silencing Trump's lovers and saying that golden showers happened in a sex club in Vegas. Now, I'm not giving this motherfucker any money no, because no. You, you did all these wrong things and supported this man and then you waited. These people who wait and then write a book to cash in on things they could have done when it was useful, no money. But I will read the cliff notes from other people. No, no. We, we'll give him a little airtime here just because, you know, there is something about golden showers. And I have to say, Emerson, I did not plan to say anything about Carrie and Dolly. And the way you segued into that book was just genius. You are so good. It's a talent. And I have to say something, though, about these golden showers in Vegas. I don't care whether he got peed on, likes to pee on somebody, likes watching other people get peed on. We are not shaming people's personal kings. In the words of Ann Walker, my boys don't get peed on, but if you do, good for you. Enjoy your life. That is not interesting. I care about the tax fraud. I care about involving election fraud. I care about him paying off people that he slept with in order to not ruin his chances of getting elected. I care about the legal stuff. The other stuff's just interesting for fun. I just had a, a I just had a, a brainstorm. I think it would be a very interesting conversation for Lavanda to educate Sissy on what a golden shower is. Uh-huh. She starts talking about water sports and Sissy says, Oh, I lose to love a super soaker. <laughs> She's like, Well, I sure hope they shower off after. I mean, I'm trying not to judge, but I am a little bit. And then Lavanda uh, gets lost in it. But I heard it's good for jellyfish sting. If it's good for jellyfish sting, it'd be good just for fun. I don't go to the beach. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, segue into the series is back on sale, y'all. I just want y'all to know that we got a, a distribution deal. Uh, our, our good friends at BEI and in uh, Canada distributed the series and we have been selling a lot at delshores.com forward slash shop. So thank you all who have bought it back and brought it back. Uh, you've been off the shelves for two years and we're working on a streaming deal right now. So stay tuned. Y'all get in and buy that. Yeah. Before. We need That's the money. That. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but also related to that P and stuff, yesterday I was annoyed to see everyone like that the P story was like the big trend, you know, you're in Trump. Um, our Congress just went home until September with no deal on dealing with the pandemic unemployment assistance. And my blood is boiling. I watched people start calling for a general strike. And you know, I am eminently reasonable normally. And I feel like that may be what it takes. I keep thinking about all the people I know and my neighborhood is filled with moving trucks now daily people leaving because they can't pay rents. 
I'm waiting till after September 1st to make a deal on this. The number of people that have just been barely getting by on unemployment assistance who will not be able to play, pay rent on the 1st of September, and they're not coming back till the 8th and the 14th. I mean, Democrats, Republicans, all of them. That's it's a fuck right. to work. Both parties. Shame the fuck on both parties. That's the way I feel about this. It really irritates me as well. I have like, some friends who are like, we're just waiting. Oh, it's going to, you know, and just it's just so infuriating over 30 million people like on unemployment and like oh it's fine well we didn't work it out this week we stayed one more week and we're just gonna go home and take our vacations and our big paychecks we'll work it out later i mean genuinely it seems stupid on everyone's part the post office stuff is a really big deal and we need to make sure we deal with the voting and the ballots and all of that but i'm talking about people who will not be able to eat or pay health insurance or pay rent and how much worse that will be for the economy on September 1st. Maybe people put it on credit cards and it gets dumped to October 1st, but if they don't figure this out, it, the number of people who will not be able to care about voting for their basic life functioning is about to skyrocket well, and they don't seem to get it. Well, let's be honest, people are gonna start defaulting on credit cards. It's just going to be 2006 times 10 all over again. You know. Yes. I mean, you know what I mean, around that 2006, 2008 period when everybody was losing their house like I did. Um, Yes, and I'm usually really reasonable, but I really am like, we need to strike like everything and be like, y'all got to get back to work. You work for us. We pay your salaries. You need to figure this out for our fellow Americans. Like it may take like we can get in the streets for other stuff. Belarus is protesting for literally everything right now. It seems like we may have to shut this shit down to make them get how urgent this is for so many people. <sighs> I didn't really tend, sorry, I didn't tend it, but like, it's the only thing I'm like, all that other stuff. I'm like, this is more important than your joke about Trump getting peed on. It's my bigger point. I, I don't mean you, I mean, right. I, that I shouldn't, have, I should not have had this Red Bull. I should have just had an Ativan. I just should have had a, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, and but related, Josh Clark just said the Proud Mary Theater Company is doing a virtual show of Sorted Lives that premieres tonight at eight o'clock. Break yeah. a to that class. They're they're one of our foundation partners. Yes, they are, and I I it's on my all the information by the way is on my Facebook page. I I, I posted about it this morning, and a picture of their brother boy. I wish I'd sent it to you. He he's fantastic. So uh, yeah, tonight tomorrow. And Sunday night, they're doing. They're launching a virtual um, uh, uh, channel with Proud Mary, and we love Proud Mary. And uh, they, I, I got to perform in their little space uh, about. I guess it was one of the last shows I did. Emerson, I drove from Knoxville Pride last Pride. It was about a year ago uh, to South Carolina. And uh, anyway, just keep supporting our. Our fellows, uh, our, our theaters, and our fellow artists, please as much as you can, and uh, as often as you can, and but then don't stress yourself out. Yes. All right. Well, what we do here is the LGBTQ news and nonsense. So before we fall further down the rabbit hole of how I'm becoming more of a progressive than a Democrat, um, up first, Kamala Harris, the big announcement. She and Joe got up there and did their thing, and of course, it brought out bigotry, racism, and misogyny. The trifecta. Um, John Eastman, a right-wing lawyer and a board chair of the National Organization for Marriage, big old bigot, uh, wrote an article basically birthering Kamala Harris for Newsweek, declaring she might not meet the constitutional requirements to be vice president. His claim was that because her parents 
were not U.S. citizens when she was definitely born in Oakland, California, she is ineligible for office. Saying the 14th Amendment requires natural born citizens to be subject to the jurisdiction of our Constitution and messing with that. Really, it's just racism and misogyny coming out because, you know, we expected that. And it's, it's just the same song, second verse. That's a little bit faster and a whole lot more bigoted and worse. It just and then and then and then you know, asshole. Where they ask him about it, and he goes, "Oh well, the, uh, it seems like the Democrats who should have." Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I can't do a good imitation of him, and nor do I even want to learn. But um, to be clear, she is eligible. Yes, yes. Let's let's be let's be clear. She all, all is well, and it was it was uh, it was thrilling. And it, we talked about that last time, but it's still thrilling. And she is uh, she is being so articulate, and and I think it is exactly. I did I did a what? What were you? Yeah, are you? Nothing. She's so articulate. Are, that made you laugh. Articulate. <laughs> well, I mean, real answer. Micro, black people consider that a microaggression to call. That way they speak articulate. That's well, what I gave. Uh, That's well, not at you. That's a general all of us learning, but it's a thing. That's so interesting because all I meant was that she is just the best. I mean, of she, course. She, her, her speaking uh, for our country and her, her, her mind has always been fascinating to me how quick she is and how she can zing. And just come in and just bam. But I, what I really love that I, I love about her is there had, was a perception during the uh, primaries how strident she was, and I feel like there's a relaxing and a joy that 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 that's coming through with her. So yeah. Uh, anyway, all right. Uh, so shall we continue? Oh, this yes. is just, this. Richard uh, Grinnell, the gay former member of the Trump administration. I just hope I run into him on in Palm Springs. He's just had. I, I went to his Twitter today, and it was such a big mistake. I just always went down a rabbit hole. What pisses me off the most about him is he's he says something about that he's you know living for the Lord or something in his his anyway. He had came for Biden choosing. Uh, Kamala Harris for the VP position in response to the news he tweeted Joe Biden clearly still thinks gays are security risk no gays or lesbians even considered with a link to a Fox News even considered and with a link to a Fox News article questioning Biden's record on gay rights it was based on a 1973 response to a question about whether gay people could openly serve in the military or civil service Biden said, my gut reaction is that gay people are security risk, but I must admit I haven't given this much thought apparently, and I'll be darned. And he was darned and he made a lot of changes in his the way he has fought for us and for any gay, this fucker to come for him when that you can come for him in, in a lot of ways, but he was the one who went to Obama and he was the one who started we have to get on board with gay marriage. So, you know, fuck you, Richard Grinnell. Also to act like it's some kind of bigotry that you didn't get an LGBT person when you're talking about a Jamaican Indian black woman. But like, sir, just what was the consideration? I mean, and, and, and to think that, you know, Trump chose Pence the, who supports conversion therapy. So Richard Grinnell, you are such a fucking hypocrite. I just cannot stand him. 
I want to I want to debate him on Zoom. Like, clean your own house. Clean my house? My house is very clean. No, sir. It's a metaphor. Ed Richard Grinnell about oh. the Republic. <laughs> clean my own house. I've been filing all that stuff in my office all day, Emerson. Why are you judging my home? <laughs> Nobody has a cleaner house than you do. That's not true. Matt Hayes has a cleaner house than me. <laughs> yeah, but that's uncomfortable. That's too far. Like, I don't want to be afraid to sit on something. Okay. All right. Up next, Chevron Jones, who is currently a Florida state representative, and his family all recently recovered from COVID-19. They went as a group to donate plasma at a mobile site set up by One Blood at the church where Jones' father is a pastor. He was told he couldn't donate because he'd had sex with a man within the past three months. He is in a relationship. And that is currently, as we've discussed, the FDA policy. He's running in Florida right now to be the first outstate senator. And this story was turned into a homophobic robotext, blasted out to voters in his district saying, the Miami Herald reports that Chevron Jones was discriminated against her recent homosexual contact. It linked to a website called ChevJones.com, which is not his official website, where the only page there was a verbatim copy of the story about the blood center's rejection of Jones. When he was asked about it, he said, it's 2020 and this is still the narrative. It's unfortunate. It's not clear who was behind the homophobic smear, but two of his opponents are known for their anti-LGBTQ comments. This is just old ass HIV AIDS pandering to gay men being dirty and diseased to ruin his election chances. It's such an old, dangerous, bigoted, stigma-creating trope. Sent out as texts. Yeah. And you know, um Emerson, what, also, I realized about this um, this story is um, I could actually, for the first time in many, many years, give blood. <laughs> I think you're not alone in that. There's a whole lot of homosexuals that have been sitting at home that are like, oh, I mean, you should get rid of that bigoted policy, but also I could donate. I could donate blood. I'm, I'm not just, I mean, the other day I told you, I. I was uh, sweeping barefoot and I, I, I cut my foot so badly that it looked like I should have given blood. I think a pint was in my, it, look, it seriously looked like a murder, uh, a, a murder uh, site. I'm seeing. If the yeah. FDA was smart right now, they would, they would set up socially distanced blood donations and say, hey, homosexuals, while we work on that men who have sex with men policy that's still a little bigoted, but if you've been locked down at home for more than 90 days, you currently qualify, please come give us blood because we need it. I thought you were going to go for, I thought, I thought, oh, Emerson's going to go for like that we could have a social distance um, circle jerk while giving blood. Well, no, you could do it. You'd have to do it right after. Well, because I don't think. Well, I mean, it depends. I guess you have to put. I mean, I just feel like a needle in your arm and a lot of. Jer I mean, unless you're a very gentle masturbator, I'd just be worried about that needle. See, I did not think that through, Emerson. Mm -hmm. I did not. It'd think be like the reward, and it yeah. could end with that like cookie game that frat boys play. Yeah, I, I like a little circle, like group therapy, but with lube and. Uh, it's a reward. It's a and reward. You end, and you end with that eat eat soggy biscuit. <laughs> okay, we we have derailed. You know what that is? A what? Soggy biscuit. Oh no, I don't. I I, I can only. Uh, I've yes, I've heard. It was I, like an urban legend of like frat boy initiations, where like everybody circle jerks and on a cookie, and the last one has to eat it. 
Anyway, back to politics. Well, I know some people who would be thrilled to eat that cookie. I was going to say, but slow it down. Get the reward. Oh, it's getting nasty in here. Okay. Well, just before announcing Harris as his VP, Joe Biden's campaign announced that out lesbian senior campaign advisor, Karen Jean Pierre, would be the vice presidential uh, candidate's chief of staff. Uh, is it Jean Pierre? I think is the first black person to serve as chief of staff to a vice presidential uh, candidate. Uh, she started her career in politics, working for John Edwards' campaign, and during Obama's first term, she worked in the White House Office of Political Affairs, a position she said was important to her as a lesbian. She told the advocate, "I love this quote so much." In 2011, what's been wonderful is that I was not the only. I was one of many. President Obama didn't hire LGBT staffers. He hired experienced individuals who happened to be LGBT. You may remember her from the 2020 primary campaign from a viral video of a white male animal rights activist taking Harris's microphone away from her during the 2019 Move On forum and uh, she leapt to her feet uh, to grab the mic back. And it was, I remember that very well. So. It was an iconic moment. And once again, representation matters and people being at the table because of their skills and from our communities, we love to see it. Um, Reigns did ask what frat that was where the soggy biscuit game was. So um, <laughs> it seems we have a couple of people who might be interested in playing. And it took a little long in the tooth to be frat boys. I just have to say. Chris um, Abrams said, I was a frat boy in the eighties and I like the olive races better. Chris, I'm going to tell this next story and you explain what an olive race is because I definitely want to know. Yes, we want to know. I do not know what it is either. Okay. Um, we talked on Tuesday about Alex Morris and I tried to explain all of the complicated aspects of that story and how much information there wasn't out yet about it. He's the 31-year-old mayor of Hollyoke, Massachusetts that was accused by college students of making people feel uncomfortable after their events and on social media. I want to give you the follow-up because this really supports why I always try to get information and not make firm, concrete decisions about stories we see as random people's Twitter thoughts. Because on Tuesday, uh, uh, this, uh, this week since then, The Intercept did a story and they get a bunch of Instagram DMs and group chats from the college Democrats at Massachusetts Amherst College that enlighten this situation significantly. In the messages, Timothy Ennis, the chief strategist for the college Democrats, who was president of the chapter at the time, admitted that he was a stan superfan of Morse's opponent, incumbent Representative Neal. He said he felt conflicted about a future attack on Morse, but said, but I need a job. Neal will give me an internship. He said in the chats that he had learned from people, previous graduates, that Morse was on tender, sharing a screenshot of his profile, and then discussed an effort to find him and match. He claimed that Representative Neal was impressed with him and one of their events. And at that same event, Representative Neal was at, Alex Morse sat on a panel with Andrew Abramson. Well, Abramson became the next president of the chapter. And the screen caps show that after the event, Morse reached out to Abramson on Instagram. And these messages that we didn't know what were in them, Abramson says, uh, after Morse says, it was a pleasure meeting, Abramson says, thank you, good to see you too, with a big smiley emoji. Morse asks, how's the rest of your weekend? Abramson answers, 
pretty good. I was home last night to surprise my mom for her birthday. Morse says, oh, that's nice. How was that? I had an event to go to last night, then had a wine tasting at a friend's house. Now I'm in North Adams to march in a parade. That's the conversation. Abramson shared a screenshot with his friend saying, not overt, but it's very clear he's not talking to me for no reason. Like, read that message. Also, don't mind me totally leading him on. And as the former president then said, this will sink his campaign, calling it a pattern of more stating students. During that same time, Ennis was a student in Representative Neal's class at the college and had been open with other members about hoping to land a job with him. So in the quip chats, he quipped that perhaps she should leak this information in Neal's class in one of his papers. So, and then after this, Ennis floated the possibility of leaking the allegations against Morse to Politico. And in June, they did try to do that. So neither, so this shows as far back as October, they were discussing how they could use this against Morse's campaign. That's a lot of new information. Well, I'm telling you, maybe it changes a, a lot uh, in the perception from the story from last week. And this little asshole is, he is destined for a career in politics, I think. That is just so. I mean, you read that. I read it over a couple of times. And he said, oh, this is clear. And I was leading him on. You know, I have had innocent conversations like that. I would, you know, when we were talking about when I taught at NSU, I had someone say, oh, I saw your show last night. It was really good. What are you doing the rest of the weekend? Whatever. You know, it, it, it's insane that that this, it's baiting. It, it's, it's, it's trying to entrap, entrap. And... I love, you know, he has talked about, and I really appreciate this because this is the part, the only part that, are, that that I was concerned about. Alex has talked in the days following and since about really understanding the power and influence of his position when dealing with younger people, with people related to the schools. You know, I don't think there's, uh, and I think that's the important piece is how power impacts the engagement. Because if you get a message from somebody, you do can feel pressure you know, to respond. It doesn't mean you're doing wrong, but it means you need to be aware of that as you have the conversation. But to see in black and white, this conversation about them doing this intentionally or making the effort to do it intentionally um, is terrible. And to see how many people saw, fed into the homophobic tropes and were willing to assume what was in the messages, right? We talked about how we didn't know. These people just said we were made to feel uncomfortable. And this, is this is the only one that's come forward. Well, yeah, I mean, their messages went on and on, but if but there was nothing more damaging than like, oh, I met you, probably thought you were cute. Hey, how's your weekend? You know, you can certainly be made to feel uncomfortable by a, a powerful person coming for you, but so many people were willing to leap to the messages being, you know, norm like you wearing DMs. Or, yeah, got a um, also. I mean, even a who are you wearing? Like, certainly, if I met you at an event, that's weird. But if you're just a gay guy that's a student somewhere and you're 31-year-old, leave these people alone to have their sex and don't jump to conclusions right. based on lack of information. I, it's my great frustration with the internet as a whole. We get a headline of an, or a photo and we say, this is what's happening here. And we all believe what that person says, what's happening there. And then we find out, well, this happened before. Or we don't know what else was involved. So... Take a deep breath before we leap to information that could ruin somebody's career and chances. He's running in a primary that's less than three weeks away. I'm going to find that little Timothy Innes on Instagram and give him a piece of my mind.
Um, um, he did, uh, Morse did have his biggest donation day as all of that came out, so he's doing well. But it is a lesson in breathing and not assuming you know the, mis the information that will fit the picture that you want to create. Yes, amen. Well, um, oh, and amen, we've got a, a Christian story now. Um, Michael uh, Balker, he, 47 years old, was a national office manager at the Conservative Family Voice Australia, formerly known as Festival of Light in Adelaide, Australia. In 2016, he collapsed at work after watching pornography, which he said he used to combat the office culture of poor staff morale, high workload, and long hours. This is the most bizarre story. I cannot believe, I, I just kept reading and I was like, oh. So an employment uh, tr tribunal uh, just awarded Mr. Uh, Balker two years of weekly compensation payments after it found his stress levels significantly contribute to his brain hemorrhage. Uh, Bunker was born into a seriously religious family in South Africa and first came to rely upon, this is the fix, y'all. He became, he, he decided that pornography was the way to relieve his stress after witnessing a drive-by shooting. Just out of nowhere. Um, in 1993, he has since struggled with it for many years. Uh, the, the tribunal uh, deputy president said in his judgment, he felt this was in conflict with his religious beliefs and his moral standards. He believed that looking at pornography was a sin. He said that when he felt under pressure or stress, he used pornography. Now, Family Voice Australia and Return to Work SA argued he his use of pornography contributed more to his stress levels than had the office culture he relied upon in his claim. However, it was ruled that Mr. Bonker's increased viewing of pornography was a symptom and not a cause, which ultimately caused by his anxiety, which ultimately was caused by his anxiety over work issues. I have Ooh. so many questions. So, First of all, this man saw a drive-by shooting in 1993 and decided he needed to watch porn to relieve his stress. But because he's a particular kind of Christian, watching porn also causes stress because it's bad. And then he was at work, stroking it, stroked out, and then he got two years of pay because his stress-relieving, stress-creating pornography habit caused him to have a stroke at work. I don't think this man should have got any money. I don't either. I don't either. And I don't, I just, I mean, I, yes, I have used um, watching porn, not exactly watching porn, but what goes along with it as a stress relief. I have, I will admit that, you know, I am an open book, but I don't think that I would use it in any legal aspect of anything. I don't also, think, I would, you know, if I had a stroke at work, I would, while stroking, I don't think I'd say in my defense, I don't know. It's a lot. If I had a stroke stroke, I'm not telling anybody. That's right. I mean, did he? What, it's like in high school when I would rub it raw. Be like, like I don't want to tell people that. There's a lot of questions. It's a lot of questions. Was he I able to pull off his pants or did the, the, the stroke? Was the pornography playing and he's got his hand on his dick and someone says, call 911 or whatever it is over in Australia? And also... If your work is so stressful, you need to stroke it and causes you a stroke, you should have quit that job. Like also deal with your weird sex sexuality issues. Let's be honest, that's the real thing.
Absolutely. Sharon, our dear friend Sharon Garrison said, what an excuse for watching porn. That's a stretch. Wasn't he embarrassed to bring that out? Again. Correct. See, Sharon Garrison, Diddy Blaylock, we like to call her. Yes, that's a very good point. A stroke and stroke. Oh, we got Chris answered. Chris, the olive game. Two blocks of ice at either end of the basement in the frat house. A bunch of naked young men, I'm listening, required to sit on a block of ice and pick up an olive and then relay it to the other block without dropping it. If you drop the olive, you got to eat it. So you got to pick up an olive with a butthole. And if you don't clench tight enough, you got to eat that olive. Can you eat someone else's olive? Can you just volunteer to be the eater? It, like it's like that. It, yeah. Mm, no. I don't like <laughs> olives, but I'm mean, not opposed to this game. I, that, you lost me on sitting on a block of ice. <laughs> I mean, that does sound like the like not sexy part of it, but I'm listening to the rest. I'm open. Um, <laughs> all right. We have reached the midway point of our show, which is time for me to remind you that obviously this very informative and educational and highbrow uh, show that you choose to join and watch with us we put a lot of effort into you despite what it seems like. So if you're sitting on a pile of money and have donated to anything and everything else you can think of, and want to donate a dollar or five or 30 or 50 or thousands to us, you can send a Venmo to me at Emerson Collins or to PayPal Beard Collins Shores Productions at gmail.com. It's in the ticker below. Uh, and I will split the proceeds with Dell Shores. I promise we appreciate it. I know there's many of you that do it every time. Those of you do it when you can. Uh, genuinely, it's meaningful in our lives, and we are grateful. And even though you know, even though we we are we we are uh, in development on something, and it's very exciting. That big old egg has not is not. There's no cash in it yet. <laughs> That's correct. So, All right. For this next story, I want y'all to watch this commercial, and I want you to tell me what you think. Um, there is a Cartier commercial specifically targeted for uh, Chinese markets, and I want to show it to you, and I want you to spay, uh, oh wait, hold on, I might have done that wrong. Uh, I might have, uh, uh, and I want you to watch it and pay special attention to the two men. Are you checking your phone? Yes. Why? Who was texting? I'll tell you after, there's something very important going on. That's exciting, do you need to go do it? No, 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 it's all good, it's okay. all good. Well, look at that. I tried to shame him for being distracted about something dumb, and it was about something real. No, you're going to feel bad after I tell you, because it's really- I mean, I probably want to just be excited, but you're right. <laughs> okay, watch this commercial and pay attention to the two men. There's one, wearing a ring. Wedding ring. Oh, I love you, I love you. There's the other one. Oh, look at him riding bike. Holding hands. Oh, ruffling his hair. Good. That was a little plug. Sweet. Okay, what do you all think the relationship is between those two men? 
Tell me right now. Me or everybody else? Well, you as well. I mean, well, you read the story, you know. Of course, yeah. So let's let well, them The Guardian is reporting that a static version, just a photo from the web of the two men has the text, father and son are also in France, are also friends. Cartier insists that the two men are really just father and son. When the ad asks, how far would you go for love? Cartier says that was referring to romantic, friendship or family love, but it's family love between a father and son. Excuse me, Erica said married. <laughs> said, they look married. They Y'all. look married. With, uh, but where do you, uh, you know, why would you feature your son with a wedding band? That's a weird ring to wear a finger on. Also, yeah. I feel like maybe some white people at Cartier in America made that and they like don't know how old Asian men look because I don't think there's any way the age difference between those two men is old enough for him to have been his father. Well, I mean, one does look definitely younger than the other, but not, not you know. But more like, ooh, daddy, not literally daddy. Hooking sure. up on the yeah, well, they didn't seem that I call BS maybe it. <laughs> I mean, it definitely seems a little more like, China via Ella, via, you know. I love, Sharon, have you started drinking? I, I, so. I, I sure hope so. I wish I had started. Daddy. Oh, daddy and son. Yeah, but yeah. I think, again, I think daddy. I don't think daddy. Anyway, I just thought y'all are, they're absurd. So, well, all right. Well, uh, here's a, here's a very. Do that while I check the tips. <laughs> okay. Jack, uh, no, Jake, I'm sorry. Jake McPherson is 57 years old. But he wasn't prepared for a phone call he received from his 90-year-old dad. In January of this year, he wrote an op-ed for the Huffington Post and said, when I answered, he told me it's about this homosexuality. Your mother and I can't condone that. You are not to contact us in any way ever again. Um, my vision, uh, he said... I'm sorry. He said, he goes on. My heart was pounding harder than I ever imagined was possible. My vision blurred. I felt like I was being physically attacked before the call ended. My father added, am I making myself perfectly clear? I told him he was and hung up. But McPherson remembers being very aware of his dad's homophobia. And he uh, retreated to the closet, uh, married a woman, had two children, tried to shut out his truth with alcohol. At age 35, McPherson came out to his wife and she responded lovingly through their separ throughout their separation. Three years later, McPherson came out to his mother and assumed she had told his father. McPherson now believes that his father only found out recently on Facebook of all places. And while that phone call was a blow unlike any other, McPherson writes that he's also been amazed at all the love and support he's received since from friends and family saying, ultimately my children have been the key to beginning to heal. This experience has made it clear that I have a relationship with each of them that cannot be broken by anything my parents have done or may do in the future. So a sad story, but then it turns into a warm heart story. I really, I, I really empathized with him because I was 35 when I came out with two young daughters and, um, yeah. I mean, it's just a reminder, you know, but he's 56 and his nine-year-old father being a bigot, being disowned at 56, like just sounds like one of the, where you're like, wow, like this too much. Cutting people you're out like, of the will in their 50s, 60s. 
you know, it's like, you know, you're 90 years old, sir. Uh, you, you don't have that much time left for family. Yeah. So. Um, Sharon did answer. Yes, it's 640. She has started drinking. Well, cheers, Garrison. Uh, Bill said, I've started for both of you. Well, good. Yep. All right. Up next, uh, the WNBA this season uh, has dedicated their season to Black Lives Matter. And Atlanta Dreams co-owner, Republican Senator Kelly Loeffler, sent a letter to the WNBA commissioner complaining about it, saying, I adamantly oppose the Black Lives Matter political movement, which has advocated for defunding the police called for the removal of Jesus from churches and the disruption of the nuclear family structure, harboring anti-Semitic views and promoted violence and destruction across the country. I'd like to remind everyone that this is the same Senator Kelly Loeffler who sold millions of dollars in stock back in January, February, after a congressional coronavirus briefing before the rest of the country was told to hope how bad it was gonna get. It was World Cup star Megan Rapinoe's partner, Sue Bird, a basketball player who's won three WNBA championships, who came up with the idea to endorse Loeffler's opponent in the Senate race. So they had t-shirts made saying, vote Warnack, the Democratic pastor, running against her, and they debuted them because the game was going to be broadcast on ESPN2, and the players plan to wear their t-shirts at future games. I want to show you this photo. It's just my favorite kind of trolling that this lesbian inspired, because that is the way to irritate the crap out of somebody. They've tried to get her to sell the team, and she won't, and how frustrating to play a game knowing your owner is that kind of bigot self-involved, self-important, 1% protecting their own money person that you're making money for doing the thing that you are passionate about. I hate her. I just hate her gut. I do. You look at her. I mean, she is just Georgia bigot Barbie, too, when you see her. Yeah, she is. She absolutely is. Oh, good. So good for lesbian-inspired protests. Just every game. And she won't do anything. She can't do anything. I mean, it's like, okay. uh... Got to show up and see a billboard for her opponent. Good. Yes. Well, unfortunately, in her jurisdiction, I don't anticipate. I mean, that that crazy woman that's down in Georgia that's going to win that, you know, anyway, I don't want to get off on that. That's... I already got, have gotten off of you. I mean, I'll, 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 I'll keep doing the Cliff Notes versions of my stories to get us back on track. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, this, you know, I love Brian Sims. So this was, uh, this is interesting. Republican Pennsylvania rep Tom Mertz said that he called the police after a tense phone call with outstate rep Brian Sims. Sims denied making threats and claims that the conversation was about Mert allegedly allegedly killing the effort to advance LGBTQ legislation. He said, Sims told him, I will ruin you. You are finished. I will get you for this. I'm not done with you. His language was so loud and profane. My wife heard every word coming through the telephone. His language was so vitriolic. I walked outside with the telephone so my family would not hear his obscene language. And he repeated the use of the F word. Now, see, there's there's a contradiction in this story. He walked outside so his family would not hear it, but his wife heard every word of it. Uh-huh. Liar. The rhetoric was so aggressive and belligerent, it was hostile and of a threatening nature. In order to protect my family and my staff, 
uh, I wanted to talk to a police officer so I would get press subtext. At issue is a memo Mert co-sponsored on Monday in favor of an LGBTQ Bill of Rights. The memo supports protections for LGBTQ people in the state. The memo did not specify what the legislation would look like. No bill has been written and there are only two weeks left in the Pennsylvania legislature session. Sim said, when people pretend to care about equality legislation that they've had all term to advance just in time for the elections and not in time to actually advance equality, they aren't actually interested in passing the bill. Yes. So, I hope that makes sense to everybody. What Brian is saying, his frustration is, people in December come out with all towards the end of or the end of the session. Oh, we should do this, and we're for equality and all this stuff, knowing that with only two weeks left, they won't get legislation written, it won't get passed, and everything that hasn't been passed gets like chucked and started over in a new session. So his frustration is these Republicans were like, yes, equality, but they don't have to do anything about it right. because the next term everything starts over. And I say, use all the language you want. What an asshole that this is a colleague and you called the police like you were threatened. Oh, that's like a real house. That's like something a real housewife does. Like Kenya Moore did that on the Atlanta Housewives. Uh, yes, I'm calling from the ballroom on the second floor. Uh, one of my castmates attacked me. Uh-huh, she attacked. Like you're just calling the police so that there'll be a story that the police were called. That's right. And this is a phone call. I mean, you know, you don't just because you say fuck you doesn't mean that you're threatening their life. Also, let's remember that Pennsylvania is where Brian Sims earlier this year got upset because a Republican lawmaker came to work knowing that he had the coronavirus and didn't tell their Democratic colleagues that they had it. That's actually putting a coworker's life in danger, not just hyperbolic threats on the phone because you're pretending to be for equality. I'm going to send him that Tom Mertz some tweets. Yes. Please do. Um, and in Detroit, we've talked a good bit about the Detroit Archdiocese. It seems like the Catholics in Detroit are trying real hard to be the best bigots in the country. They just kicked out two groups specifically for LGBTQ Catholics, forbidding them from gathering on church property and banned priests from holding mass for the groups. Listen to what the groups are. Fortunate Families Detroit, a support group for queer families, received a letter from Auxiliary Bishop Gerard Battersby saying, Fortunate Families Detroit provides a misleading and harmful message. Having such an organization with its competing vision for the sanctification of her members is both confusing to the faithful and detrimental to the very membership the organization seeks to serve. The co-president said it was surprising, shocking, and it was hurtful. It means we lost our parish, our home base for many years, the pastor there is not allowed to associate with us. We're no longer a group with a parish home. We're not allowed in any Catholic parish. That's pretty harsh. The other organization, Dignity Detroit, a group of LGBT Catholics, has met now for 45 years with the blessing of the church hierarchy. Battersby said about them, a mass for Dignity Detroit members, one which rejects church teaching on human sexuality, is not possible in any parish chapel and it is indeed forbidden everywhere in the Archdiocese of Detroit. Their president, Frank DeMore, said, Dignity is still around and we're not going anywhere. We've never went out of our way to embarrass the church hierarchy. We're on our fourth archbishop in 39 years, three cardinals. Now all of a sudden it's an issue? I don't get it. Despite opposition from many parishioners and priests, the church refuses to budge on this exclusionary and demeaning move. 
I mean, the priests are fine with it. The parishes are fine with it. Their parishioners are fine with it. And these groups have been around for a long time. And they're like, no, got to go. Well, they're Catholic. Catholic. It's so interesting, though, when members are trying to change the nature of their church and it's the bureaucracy that's like, no, you can't do that. Well, that's the way that's the reason there have been a couple of Baptist churches that actually left, you know, the Southern Baptist Convention. And that, you know, there's some progress there because of the bureaucracy of, you know, the big umbrella of religion. So absolutely. It's how you lose members. There, there you go. Okay, the Lord Star Hotel in Cali, Colombia, was the site of a WhatsApp organized sex part party where um, patrons paid five dollars to enter and participate in what organizers called a super gang bang of brutal submission. I mean, that's a title, and only five dollars. Five I mean, dis- discount. I think that's a good deal. Uh, police raided the hotel and uncovered the gay orgy happening in one of the rooms and shut down the hotel. They said the sex party violated the country's social distancing regulations. No shit. Uh, the cops fined 10 people associated. That's a small orgy uh, with the uh, party uh, and gave the hotel a 10 day suspension. There's a lot of tens uh, for violating quarantine rules and failing to observe sanitary measures. Uh, authorities in Colombia have reported a spike in sex parties. Well, yeah, since the start of the coronavirus stay at home orders, people are bored. In May, police in Cali busted a, another orgy in which 19 men were arrested for violating social distancing rules. Now, remember at the beginning, it was like it was 10 or under, right, for a, a, a gathering. Mm-hmm. I would like to quibble with one of your points there. 10 people in a single hotel room does not sound like a small orgy to me. It's small as an orgy as a concept, but that's a lot of people with two double beds or something unless they had oh, a house. I'm used to staying in suite. No, I'm And I'd assume it was a come and go situation, so to speak, oh. so that the number of attendees, well, you pay your $5, you come and go. Say thank you for your time for the brutal submission yeah. story or whatever. Uh-huh. Super gangbang. But also, like, to hear that there's been a spike in this kind of thing, it makes my brain bleed that people in our community are not being smart. I mean, it'd be one thing if there was even just the same number of sex parties as there usually are. Like, more means we're being worse. Well, think about how many are not being busted. I mean, there's a lot lot going on out there. Um, 19 sounds like more fun. I agree with you, I mean, I do agree. The more the merit, once you get past... You know, a menage, the more the merrier, right? What is Although, that sound? Is that on your end? Yes, little... it's the yes, it's the string on the light bulb that I use for my fill. Oh, it sounds like it's like a, it's like ding 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 ding. Uh-huh. It's like it rings like a bell. Um so all right. Well, I know um, all right. This next one is a local story, but I mean it relates nationally into the and the racism in our community and the race and how the privileged people are treated. Um, it's very specific. I don't know if we've talked on the show if this happened between our show periods, uh, but this is uh, this happened in West Hollywood. A grand jury has it just indicted former political donor and LGBT rights act activist Ed Buck with four new felony counts in connection with the deaths of two black men, bringing his total indictments now to nine. He was finally arrested last year after the death of Timothy Dean in his home overdosed on meth. 
This was after a huge outcry to the overdose death of Jamel Moore, another black man also in his home. Activists criticized the slow response of the LA District's Attorney's Office as Buck clearly targeted black men, black sex workers, black drug addicts, and or introduced meth to black men he was hooking up with because he injected them with or without their consent. The journals from Jamel Moore were released and he talked about just wanting to get out of all of it. Two different black men died of meth overdoses in his apartment two different times. And the apartment is a block away from mine. I can see the apartment. I walk past it regularly. I attended a protest after Jamel Moore's uh, death in the first place, even before the one happened with Timothy Dean. And the slow response was incredibly frustrating to activists here. And people felt like because he was a rich white gay who had donated to many big causes that they were slow to respond because of his connection. So it's rewarding to see him have this many counts. The trial won't start until January, but to make it seem very likely this man will spend the rest of his life in prison as he should. Is the he, point is, this, like the second one shouldn't have happened. Is he but, out on bail? Is he out on bail? I don't think he is right now. I'm not certain. But like the second time we protested, he was in the apartment. Like he was home before they he finally came to arrest him. Such a disgusting. This is the intersection of white gay privilege, of wealth privilege, of connection privilege, and then not listening to black sex workers, black drug addicts, people that are uh, homeless, and not listening to the black LGBTQ community and allies protesting this man. So it took entirely too long to reach the point we're finally at now. Absolutely, yes. Well, on a lighter note, director John Waters is promoting his latest book of essays, Mr. Know-It-All, The Tarnished Wisdom of a a Filth Elder. In an interview, he noted that in the early 20th century, uh, society actually passed class judgments on people based on their ability to whistle a tune. He said, there was a thing in the Oscar Wilde days that people believed that gay people couldn't whistle. And it's true. Gay people can't whistle, John Waters says. I've asked every gay person I know if they can't, and they can't. When I read it, I thought I never heard that what that one before. You know what I mean? That uh, that's how you can always tell. Ask a man whether he could whistle or not. I'm sure there are violations of that rule, but I just found that the most hilarious detail in the book that I really, uh, really loved hearing. I cannot whistle. I can whistle several ways and I'm real gay. But can you but can you whistle a tune? Yes. I can John Salinger said he can whistle too. Stephen Sondheim told us anyone can whistle. Anyone can whistle. And Ted can too. So while it is amusing, it turns out it's not. Uh, it is not uh, proof. You know, it's like for a while it was like left-handed. Oscar Wilde, when they all wore those, wasn't it green carnations so they would know each other? It was like the original hanky coat. Right. See, Brent just said what I said. Uh, Dale, Dale Hunt said he can whistle. Anyone can whistle. That's what they say. Easy. Well, um, you going to tell your story about John Waters? Okay. Do I have time? Uh, yes. One of the, my, my most fun evenings, I mean, you know, another meeting was I was uh, performing my, or not performing, they were showing uh, my DVD of Naked Sorted Reality at um, the Tampa Gay and, uh, International Film Festival. 
and John Waters was doing his one man show after the screening and uh, KG Moore, uh, KJ Moore uh, contacted me and said, hey, you wanna go to dinner with me and John? And I was like, what? And so this is our uh, picture at dinner. And um, I tweeted, I not tweeted this, but I sent this text to Leslie Jordan, who is such a huge fan of John Waters. And he's like, how is this happening to you? And I've never met him. And it turned out, I told John, I showed him the text and he said, I've been to all of his shows in P-Town. And Leslie goes, you tell him, fuck you for not coming backstage. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he said, next time I will. So. That's amazing. I definitely, I've told the story, I think even on here. I went to see Jinx Monsoon in Provincetown and John Waters was sitting three rows in front of me and I just watched John Waters watch the show. But you I, know, I, I, what I love about that is that he went to Leslie Jordan and he was telling me he goes to all the shows in P-Town. I just love that he supports fellow artists. And he, oh and yeah, he, Jinx said you see him all the time just riding his bike around P-Town. And he doesn't make a big deal out of it. He doesn't like go, oh, you know, here I am. He just sits there and watches. Uh, that's how I enter a room. Oh, here I am. Um, all right, and then one final little uh, cute thing for our gamers. I read a statistic. More than 10% of people that identify as gamers are from the LGBTQ community, more than we are in the population. We really get into video games. So I'm going to show you this uh, photo and tell you the fun, exciting accomplishment that happened just recently in the world of comics. Um, Marvel is having a breakthrough celebrating the first gay superhero couple to get married in its history in the books. Longtime boyfriends Wiccan and Hulkling, two members of the Marvel Comics superhero team, the Young Avengers, rushed off to Vegas for a quickie wedding in Empire Number no. 4. The pair wanted to tie the knot before shipping off to crown Hulkling as the emperor of the Kree Skrull Empire. I mean, gotta get married before you take over an empire. And at least one storyline has hinted that the two will later have children together in the future. Creator Alan Heinberg said, it's a good feeling to be able to deliver this kind of shock ending for readers, which hopefully lifts fans' spirits a little rather than bringing them down. I mean, I gotta be honest, I would definitely watch. And that, that, that green one's got nice big arm muscles. I'm assuming that's Hulkling, and it's, he's probably got a Hulkling pain as well. Yes, they're both very cute. I wonder if he goes back and forth though, like the original Hulk, like is the penis different size when he's a regular guy or is he the Hulkling all the time? You know, am I in the mood for small or extra large tonight? Well, maybe you should uh, write to that, that guy who did it. I was a big comic book dork. I used to trace like the bulges out of comic books with tracing paper in my adolescence. Oh my goodness. You know, just to keep for later. So, well, um, I was going to say, what are you doing this weekend? You going to any theater or any live shows? And then remember be doing all the things, mixing and mingling with all the people, just rubbing on them, just Ooh. doing the things. Two-man orgies scheduled? Uh -huh. no. Just all well, the orgies. If you're looking for something to do tonight or any night this uh, weekend, please support the Proud Mary Theater Company. We love them, and they're part of uh, uh, the Del Shores Foundation. They're our partners. and all theaters, so many theaters are struggling right now, so. Absolutely, and if you wanna support us one more time, you can send us a Venmo to at Emerson Collins or in PayPal to beardcollinsshoresproductions at gmail.com. Thank you to Jonathan and Zana and Allison and Ben. 
Uh, we like reading out the names, y'all. We really do see it. Um, and then from Bob Bielenberg, who figured out how to work PayPal. I know it's the same names. Y'all that can't contribute, don't feel bad. They support so that we can all enjoy together and we are great. That's that's our show, y'all. We are. It is. Uh, oh, hi to my friends, Jalen Phillip, that are watching. Everybody have a good weekend.